You're listening to a sermon from Pasco Vale Church of Christ. To hear more of our teaching or to find out about the church, please visit our website, pvcc.org.au. Well, it's great to be back amongst you again and uh, to see you all uh, and to hear you singing. It's great. Um, I, j- I just thought I had a message this morning from uh, Leslie and Summy. You might pray for them. Uh, they are safe and well, uh, but... Uh, there's been uh, quite a bit of devastation in their area and their team is looking uh, to see how they can help those who haven't uh, uh, come out of it as well as they did. Uh, this morning we're talking about the life of faith. Actually, I've changed the title. Yeah, put it up there. Um, uh, because this passage actually starts with faith and it ends with faith. Uh, so I want us to think about what does it look like to live by faith? Uh, some of you might know that uh, we got three kids and uh, our daughter, Sarah, uh, has suffered from depression uh, for 24 years. Uh, and that's been a long and really hard journey. And we have prayed and prayed for her and so have many others over the years. Uh, and uh, until recently, uh, the Lord hadn't chosen to lift her depression. In fact, it got worse. She's got Treatment-resistant depression, they call it. However, in the last few months, uh, the Lord has intervened uh, and through some treatment that uh, she had. And uh, she's, praise the Lord, she's improving. Her suicidal thinking is gone and she's got more energy. That's so encouraging. But it does raise a question, doesn't it? Why did God answer our prayers now in that way? Uh, was it because we exercised more faith or because lots more people were praying and they exercised more faith? Uh, and if that's true, then does it mean for the last 24 years we didn't have enough faith and the other people didn't have enough faith? Uh, these are big questions, aren't they? And I think they uh, confront us when we're praying for something to happen and it seems like God doesn't answer or, or when we think about well what does happen when he does answer in the way that we hope and expect so I think this passage today helps us to answer that question uh, in this part of Luke's gospel that uh, we're digging into um, Jesus says some really challenging things if you've been listening over the last few weeks or you've been here he's talked about what do you do with your money uh, what do you do when someone does the wrong thing against you? Uh, he talks about forgiving them if they do it seven times a day and then come to you and, 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 and say sorry, then you, you have to forgive them. That is a massive call that Jesus is making. Uh, in all those areas, what we do with our possessions, what we do in our relationships, uh, and also, I think last week you were hearing about how he, so we really need to be ruthless about rooting sin out of our own lives uh, and, and out of our community. Uh, and it's not surprising, actually, that the disciples are feeling a bit overwhelmed and the question that they ask of Jesus reflect that. Um, so we're going to look at this life of faith under three headings today. Uh, trust Jesus absolutely. Serve Jesus humbly and thank Jesus continually. Why don't we pray as we uh, come to the passage? Uh, 
Lord, thank you so much that you speak truth to us and you don't hold back. Uh, and we pray as we look at this today, we'll be encouraged in our faith, we'll grow in our trust in you and our service for you uh, and in our thankfulness for all that you've done in our lives. Amen. So verses 5 and 6, we're looking at trust Jesus absolutely. So the apostles say to Jesus, Lord, increase our faith. So I think they, from what Jesus is saying, the demands of discipleship are so big, they said, we can't do this. Uh, we need your help. We need your empowering uh, so that we can do what you're saying, so that we can continually forgive people uh, and, and, and so that we can deal with our sin in our own lives and in, in our community. Now, notice here, actually, that the disciples' response to the huge demands of Jesus are not to try and water them down and say, well, you know, Jesus didn't really mean you have to give, you know, over and over again. You know, maybe that's a bit hard. We'll make that a bit easier. Their response to that is not that. It's, it's to say, we can't do this. <laughs> Lord, increase our faith. Lord, give us the faith, the enabling, the, help us to believe that you can do this in us as we submit ourselves to you. They recognise that faith is something that God gives. And they recognise that Jesus can give it to them and he can increase their faith. Jesus' answer is a bit unusual, isn't it? He says, if you had faith like a grain of mustard seed, right, the smallest possible seed, you would say to this mulberry tree, big tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea. I don't know about you, I had a tree taken out of my backyard and uh, I didn't stand on my back veranda and say, be uprooted and planted in the sea. <laughs> Maybe I don't have enough faith. Uh, now I got somebody in and paid them a pile of money and they cut it out. Um, uh, but what Jesus is saying here, even the smallest amount of faith can deal with impossible situations. And I, I think actually we, we, we think, don't we, if only I had enough faith, my problem would be solved, my cancer would be healed, uh, we would have enough resources for God's work, uh, all those things that we worry about. If only we could drum up enough faith, then those things would happen. Uh, but actually what Jesus is saying here is even the smallest amount of faith can do with the impossible. Uh, this kind of tree that he's talking about, the mulberry tree, the rabbis at the time believed that the roots of this tree would stay in the ground for 600 years after it died. And if you look it up on the internet, and there's lots of advice there on how to get rid of mulberry roots out of your sewage system and under your foundations and whatever. It's a really big task. So what's the point Jesus is making here? He, what the point he's making is that it's actually not the quantity of faith that's important. It's who the faith is in. It's the object of the faith. That's the important thing. We trust Jesus absolutely. He can do whatever. Uh, but, and we just simply trust in him, the minutest amount of faith in him, uh, and his work will be done. So the effectiveness of faith is defined by what the faith is in, not the strength of it. Uh, I can have total faith, really strong and powerful faith, uh, that by injecting bleach... Uh, COVID will be dealt with. There were some people who believed that. 
or by drinking it. But if bleach cannot do that, which from all reports it can't, then it doesn't matter how much faith you have. It's not going to do it, is it? Um, when you think about it, actually, we exercise faith all the time, don't we? I've exercised faith right here and now. I've put this laptop and my Bible on top of this thing. I wasn't sitting there thinking, Lord, give me faith that that pulpit will hold up my laptop and my Bible. I've been here before. I know it did it before. I've experienced. And I look at it and say, yep, it's, it's not my faith that's holding this up. It's the, the lectern, isn't it? And it's, it's, it's not our faith in Jesus that saves us. It's Jesus, isn't it? We simply trust him and we trust him uh, absolutely. So our faith in Christ is effective, uh, because, not because our faith is great, but because he is great. Um, so the person who's just become a Christian last week and trusting in Jesus has just as much, uh, God can do just as much through them as he can through me. Because it doesn't depend on me and my faith or them and their faith. It depends on Jesus and what he's doing. So I think it's pretty important to get this point. We trust Jesus absolutely. Yeah, sometimes he gives us what we want, sometimes he doesn't. But trusting him absolutely means saying, I trust myself to you absolutely. Uh, And he would still be just as good uh, if our daughter wasn't getting better. Trusting him absolutely means, Jesus, we trust you. Whatever you're doing, you're going to do is right. Um, As Jesus himself did on the cross. So it's not about the quantity of our trust, but about the trustworthiness of the object of our faith. So faith is not in faith. Our faith is in Christ. It's important to make that distinction because sometimes we think, oh, if I can drum up more faith, my life will change, this will change and that will change. No, it's Jesus who will change things and we trust him. So by definition, a Christian is someone who has faith in Jesus. You can't be a Christian without trusting Jesus absolutely for your salvation. To save, He saves us from our sins. He, he, he's going to take us safely home to heaven. He's going to do everything in between and we trust him to do that. Uh, And the reason we have absolute faith in him is because he can do those things. He died on the cross and he he won our forgiveness and so we trust in him. So that's we trust Jesus absolutely. That's the first point. Second point in verses 7 to 10, we serve Jesus humbly. So the situation Jesus is talking about in these verses uh, that you'll see coming up on the screen, um, he describes a situation where that would have been very common at the time. And maybe even some of the people he's talking to were servants or landowners. In fact, he says that, some of them. You guys know know about this. So what would happen, a landowner or a farmer would have a servant who would would plant the crops, look after them, harvest them, look after the cattle. And uh, Jesus says this servant is, you know, worked worked all day and comes in, and, and the boss doesn't say, well, sit down and, you know, eat dinner with me. No, he says, you go and get changed and you serve me. And then after that, uh, you can eat. Now, I, th- I think this, this sounds a bit like slavery to us, doesn't it? Um, uh, but that's, that's the way it worked at the time. And, and in fact, when I was a, an engineer, 
Uh, that, that's pretty much the way it worked where I worked as well. Um, in fact, we had, a, um, we had our own place to eat, our own canteen, where you could buy food, sit down, eat your food and go. But next door to where we had our uh, lunch uh, was a, um, uh, a dining room for the big bosses. And in there, the food was free and it was better, but you had to wear a coat and tie. Um, and that was for the, for the big bosses in the company. And we, we didn't say, oh, those, you know, terrible people in there. And here we are slaving away and they're, they're in there. No, they're working hard as well. Um, <clears throat> so that's just the way it worked. And so Jesus is describing this situation where uh, this guy is doing his job. And his job description really just has one line in it. Serve the master. And he wasn't doing that 24-7. He, was, he, he would have had the Sabbath off. Uh, but his, his role uh, was to serve the master. And Jesus says to his disciples, that's your role. That's your job. Uh, that's the job description of a disciple, isn't it? Now, if you and I call Jesus our Lord, it means we serve him. That's our one-line job description, uh, to serve the master. That's the essence of it. Jesus already said that in Luke 9. Uh, you know, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me daily. It's not about you and what you want. It's about the Lord and what he wants. That's, that's what he's saying there. Uh, that's our job description. Now, there will be a time, and, and it's, sorry, it's our privilege and delight to serve him, isn't it? Because he saved us, he's rescued us from our own sins and from hell and all that stuff, he's, 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 he's proven that he has our best interests at heart. Um, there will be a time when we feast at the table, won't there, with Jesus? You look at Revelation 19. There's a massive marriage feast of the Lamb where we'll celebrate the relationship that we have with Jesus collectively. And that'll go on for a long time. There'll be a party to end all parties. And uh, we'll sit down with the Master and we'll eat together. But in the meantime, it's serving the master, isn't it? And you don't retire from it. I've been thinking that about that a bit. I don't know if you've heard it way out here, but uh, I'm retiring at the end of the year. I've been thinking about this. It's not time for me to sit down and do nothing. No, the, you know, God's harvest field, uh, God's farm is all over the world. It's everywhere. There's heaps and heaps of options to keep on serving him for Janet and myself. Uh, and uh, we're looking forward to whatever he has for us uh, to do and to humbly continue serving him. Now, I think if we don't get this right, uh, we run into trouble. I some of you will know of Ravi Zacharias, uh, who was a very well-known Christian apologist. He influenced millions of people. He's a very clear defender of the Christian faith. Uh, not long after his death, we found out that he... Uh, had been doing some really, really inappropriate things. He'd given in to his sexual desires in really in inappropriate ways. And it was devastating, actually, to hear it. Um, and uh, as an eldership and a pastoral team, we recognised, OK, we're all vulnerable to this. So we sat down and looked at it and said, what went wrong here? What led to him doing that? One of the things, as you read the things he said that was reported by the people that he'd, he'd done the wrong thing with, uh, was that he said, 
I've served the Lord so hard and so long and I'm so exhausted. I deserve a break. And uh, that break for him was to get into inappropriate relationships with, with other women. And uh, see, you see the problem there? <laughs> he thinks he deserves something because he's served the Lord so long and so hard. And this is where this passage here helps, I think. And this is where we went as a team and said, no, actually, God doesn't owe us anything. He's, Jesus says here in this passage, so you also, when you've done all that you were commanded, say, we are unworthy servants and we've only done what was our duty. God doesn't owe us anything. At the end of the day, all we can say is, I've been an unworthy servant. I've been in ministry now for a long time and I'm acutely aware of my inadequacies and the ways in which I've fallen short in, in what God wants me to do. And we, and we all feel that, I think. Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul and strength and love your neighbour as yourself. Now, right there, we fall short of that every moment of every day, don't we? At the end of the day, all we're going to be able to say is, Jesus, thank you for saving me in spite of my inadequacies. And yeah, we, 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 we love to serve Jesus because he's rescued us. But if we get into this mode of thinking, he owes me one, you know, or, or the church owes me, or, or my ministry group owes me. And, you know, I've been doing this and that and the other thing so long and nobody appreciates it and so on. You get into that mode, it's... <laughs> You, 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 your sense of entitlement grows and grows and grows and your sense of humbly serving the Lord disappears. Uh, so this is a warning that Jesus has, has given us here. Uh, the, the wonderful thing, of course, is, isn't it, that he has, we are unworthy, he's taken our unworthiness and he's given us his worthiness. That's the wonderful thing about being a Christian, isn't it? In spite of who we are and what we do, when God looks on us, he sees the perfection of Jesus. So it's dangerous to get into the mindset of thinking that we deserve affirmation and recognition. Uh, yeah, and please don't think that you owe me anything. Um, uh, <clears throat> I think these things, if we seek them, they pander to our pride uh, and they can become very dangerous. Now, does that mean we never affirm somebody else and never appreciate what they do? No, of course not. Uh, this is more about the, the person, what we do when that happens or if we go looking for it, um, that, that's when it becomes toxic. You know, Paul says, uh, encourage one another and build one another up just as you're doing. He says that to the Thessalonians. What I'm getting at here is if our life is driven uh, by thinking that we deserve affirmation, we deserve whatever for what we do for Jesus, then watch out and I think there are good ways that we can affirm each other and encourage one another that point us to Jesus you know I think it's I love it when somebody says to me isn't it great what God's doing in our church and I, and I really love your part in it you know I really love that what you're doing so you see what's happening there we're saying that the important thing is what God's doing and yeah and we get to share in it and and and, and we need to encourage one another in that uh, so that we keep growing. So the life of faith is about trusting uh, Jesus to complete the good work that he's done in us. Uh, and uh, 
and as we humbly serve him and, and each other. So the life of faith, trust Jesus absolutely, serve him humbly. Thirdly, thank him continually. Uh, the final part of this passage in verse 11 to 19 is about the account of the 10 lepers. So Jesus comes into a village and there's 10 guys who have got this awful skin disease. They're isolated in every way from their community uh, and, and uh, socially, physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually. They can't go and join the people of God in the temple. They're totally shut out. Uh, and they... Yell out, Jesus, have mercy on us. Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. They don't come near. Uh, they just cry out for help. And it's as if this is the last chance. They're desperate and they yell out, Jesus, please have mercy on us. And in a way, this is kind of a case study of the life of faith. Uh, here are these guys, impossible to get rid of their skin disease there. Outside the village, they're isolated. People run away from them and they cry out to Jesus. They have that faith with a grain of mustard seed. And when Jesus sees them, he says to them, go and show yourselves to the priest. Interesting, isn't it? Jesus doesn't heal them on the spot. He doesn't lay hands on them as he does in other cases. He simply says, go and show yourselves to the priests. The priests operated like a kind of health inspector. So the way to get back into the community was to go and show yourself to the priest and they would say, yep, you're healed. Off you go, you can join the community again. And so it was their job to examine people. Um, now, their reaction to this is interesting, isn't it? They didn't stand there saying, what's the point of that? The priest's only going to tell us to go away. Because Jesus doesn't say, you'll be healed on the way. He says, just go and show yourself to the priest. Um, they don't stand there saying, we haven't done anything, Jesus. They went. They obeyed him. And of course, the life of faith, doesn't it? It means obeying the word of Jesus. Trusting him absolutely. Whatever he says, yep, I'll do it. And then the next bit says, and as they went, they were cleansed. On the way, they're healed. We don't know whether it was the beginning of the journey, the middle or the end. <laughs> but as they were going to the priests, they were healed. How good would that have been? As they're going along, the, the skin's clean. I remember the day a few months ago when Sarah said to us she was feeling better. Hadn't heard those words for decades from her. It's so good, so exciting. So joyful. I'm sure those guys were joyful as well. J.C. Ryle said it's just in the path of unhesitating obedience that Christ will meet and bless us. Those guys obeyed Jesus in spite of the evidence that they could see on their bodies of, of not yet being healed. They went to show themselves to the priest. And then what happens is not the end of the story though, is it? There's one guy who returns, and this is the point of the story, one out of ten, comes back uh, to thank Jesus. He, and it's interesting, this guy's a Samaritan, so he's doubly an outcast. Uh, presumably the other nine were Jews. Uh, but yet in their misery and their disease, they were together. Normally those two, two groups hate each other. Uh, but it's the Samaritan, the, 
the pagan, really, it literally it means. He's the one that comes back uh, to thank Jesus. And this tells us that another huge part of the life of faith is gratitude. Being thankful to Jesus for whatever comes into our lives. Sometimes it's really hard to do that. and Sometimes it takes ages to come to the point where you can thank God that he took your loved one at the time he did or that he brought this problem into your life. We don't see that straight away, but when we do, it's a great opportunity to give thanks to God. Thomas Erskine said, The New Testament religion is grace, and its ethics is gratitude. Uh, At the foundation and the core of Christianity is the grace of God, God's unmerited favour towards us, where he gives us the opposite of what we deserve. And the way we live our lives as a result of that, in other words, our ethics, is about gratitude, being thankful to Jesus, living thankfully to what Jesus has done for us. And of course, both those things are inseparable. The more we understand the depth and the breadth of God's grace, uh, the more we are thankful for what he's done for us. Uh, Let me encourage you today or during the week, sit down and write a list of all the things you're thankful to God for. Every time I've done that, I end up with pages of it. Uh, and it's really good to do, actually, because, you know, it's, it's the one thing that, negative thing in our life that occupies all our attention. And, but it's good to just sit down and write and, and to thank God. Say, thank you, God. Thank you, God, for my family. Yeah, there's problems there, but thank you. I have one. There are people who don't have one and so on. Uh, anyway, this finishes well, with this man, uh, coming to Jesus and saying thank you. And Jesus says, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. So this Samaritan leper, he understands the grace and mercy of Jesus in even allowing him to come near, uh, let alone healing from this terrible scourge that he's uh, received. And Jesus rightly says to him, your faith has saved you. Literally, it means that our translation has made you well but the word that's used there is the same word that Jesus used for for um, salvation that he came to seek and save the lost or uh, for example in the next chapter the disciples say who can be saved and it's the same word and Jesus says what's impossible with men is possible with God so it's more than just healing yeah of course this guy's been saved from social isolation and from the terrible ravages of that disease and from the mental torture that comes with it And from the isolation from the people of God, he's been saved from all those things. But here he is conversing with the Son of Man, with God himself. Uh, And he's been saved uh, in an even deeper way. There's much more than physical healing uh, in this. What a blessing uh, that he has uh, to know the salvation that Jesus offers. And the other nine uh, lepers miss out on that blessing. They're just thankful that their problem's been sorted out. So friends, as we finish, that's what the life of faith looks like. It's about trusting Jesus absolutely. Whatever happens in your life, trusting that whatever he brings to you is the best, ultimately for his glory and for your good. Uh, Secondly, it's serving him humbly, not with a sense of entitlement. You know, I've been serving the Lord so long and nobody ever notices and... I deserve a break and all that sort of stuff. No, no, just serve humbly, knowing that the one you're serving 
is the one who saved you, who's rescued you, who gave his life for you. And thirdly, thank him continually. Uh, and, and let's keep on doing that and encouraging one another to do it. Who knows, as we do that, God may remove some of the mulberry trees in our lives that have deep roots and chuck them in the sea and deal with our, our sin and our grumbling and groaning. And, 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 and uh, he might actually grow our roots deeper down into him. Well, let's express our trust in him as we pray. Uh, yeah, please join me as we pray. Jesus, we thank you so much for coming to this earth and thank you for the things we've been reading this morning, what you did and the things you said. And Lord, along with those disciples, we pray, Lord, increase our faith. Lord, give us the eyes to see uh, what you are doing in our lives and give us the faith to trust you for today and every day for the rest of our lives. And Lord, help us to serve you humbly, uh, no matter what you give us to do, and help us to live thankful and grateful lives that bring glory to you and pleasure to those around us. And we pray this for your honour and glory. Amen.